The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. AEW's Full Gear 2022 is in the books, but did it reach fifth gear and was it a roaring success that it needed to be? That is what we are here to discuss today and much more here on Bunker Mania, the pro wrestling podcast brought to you by Bunkerzilla UK. I am the giraffe me, Jeremy Graves, and joining me in the whimsical journey that will be the Full Gear pay-per-view and probably some talk about Survivor Series this weekend as well, because why not? It is my good friend in crime, my partner in crime, my cohort, my co-conspirator any other delightful words you can think of like that the decadane mr ian bolton hello i mean How's it going, the, good, sir? i mean all those words to describe me sound so serious i should be it should be delightful charming easily distractible by dogs oh <laughs> it's not one over there that's a window but maybe there might be one outside that window I mean, hey, if I look towards my window at the moment, I've got like 40 mile an hour gales going where I am on the south coast of England. Well, so <laughs> we had we had we had torrential downpour this morning, and that lasted all of 10, 15 minutes. Oh, there but we yeah, go. That that was the that was the most exciting thing to happen outside of this uh, this office window today. Now, well, there you go. Folks, before we get any further, a little bit of quick housekeeping. First of all, if you are joining us live on YouTube as we record this, thank you very much for doing so. And make sure you put your comments in the comments sections below as needed, and you never know, we may get to your comments as the show progresses. If you are joining us after the fact in audio-only form via the likes of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you have found this podcast, thank you very much for checking out the show. And if you feel so inclined, do tell a friend of yours about the show. We would love to get more people on board to join us on our whimsical journey through the wonderful world that is professional wrestling. And of course, if you also feel so inclined on any platform of choice, be it YouTube or your audio place, Leave a comment if you want. Leave a little review. We'd really appreciate it. We'd like to know what people think and help spread help spread some pro wrestling love. But speaking of pro wrestling love, Ian, AEW's full gear is in the books. I know that previously we had talked about how this is going to be a really important show for AEW. Mm-hmm. And I know we were talking over the course of the last week that going into the show, part of our feelings were this needed to be a home run, especially when you look at all the, when it came to the previous two AEW pay-per-views, Double or Nothing had the whole MJF controversy surrounding it and all of that stuff going on. And obviously all out, the, the, the fallout from all out, we'll call it like that. There was all of that going on. This really needed to be what I'm terming as a home run for like a baseball term, as it were. This needed to just be knocked out of the park, be a roaring success and give that sense of, I want to say hope and optimism that AEW's really, really back on the correct road now and they're off the diversion that they've been stuck on through country roads for the better part of a few months. With that in mind, sir, your general thoughts as to whether they achieve that or not with this show? My general thoughts are, I I think they knocked this one out of the park, to be perfectly honest. Sorry, somebody calling my friend there. Um, no, generally, really, really good show. Wrestling was excellent. I think the pace of the show was good as well. I mean, I think I've talked about it on on live episodes, on recorded episodes about sometimes the pace of AEW pay-per-views, especially when they are considerable lengths. This one's four hours. Didn't really feel like a like a marathon watch. It it felt really sort of well-paced. Match orders seemed to be good. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it, it was a very, very good show. Lot, and lots happened. We had title changes, we have character changes, we had returns, and we had some really memorable moments. So as, as far as I'm concerned, this is, a, this is a great big success for AEW, and hopefully now it's onwards and upwards. Completely agree. I know that our viewing experiences were quite different. You were telling me off air a second ago that you actually watched this Sunday morning because the show took place on a Saturday night. Yeah. I somehow ended up watching the entire thing pre-show included live. Because, but, and the reason I bring this up before we kind of get into more detailed notes about the show mm. is because my intention was I wanted to watch Eddie Kingston and Jun Akiyama on the pre-show. I was like, right, I want to stay up for that because I just want to see Eddie Kingston be really, really happy and clearly over-emotional Eddie Kingston. I was so up for it, and it delivered. Mm. But I also thought, I'll probably step for maybe first hour if I can push it to two hours, maybe just you know just to get a decent amount of the show underway. And maybe during that time, I might get like the trio's title match or something. That was kind of my hope in all of this. And I ended up watching the entire thing because I was having that much that much fun with it. Mm. Admittedly, I think it was around because the pre-show started at midnight. It was probably around the three a.m. mark. It was a, this isn't any denigration on the match itself, but it, around the time that the Jeff Jarrett match was kind of coming around, that's when mm. my body first started going. Right, you've either got to fuel up or you've got to get up and move around because I'm crashing here. So I think for the next half hour, forty five minutes, I was actually just standing up watching the show <laughs> because there was any way I could sort of keep awake. And then after the way it ended, I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm game for the rest of it." But like you said, as a viewing experience, pre-show included or not, this was a really well structured pay per view in my opinion. Was everything presented on the show great? Let's call it like it is. No, not everything was. But did it have a desired impact? No pun intended from a rival company there. Yes, it did, because everything that happened on the show had a purpose to it, no matter how the build-up had been to it or not, and it just worked really well, and overall, in my opinion, was a massive success. Agreed. Agreed. I think as we go through the play-by-play, um, there are some matches that were fine. They, that I, I don't think in terms of the card they were completely out of place, but... I would again, again, I've talked about this. I, there are some matches sometimes on a card like this that I wouldn't be too, too averse to if it was suddenly on next week's Dynamite instead or was on the Rampage before, um, and then get that sort of sweeter three and a half hour. I think, I think the sweet spot, and I've, and I've said this before, I think the sweet spot is three and a half hours, just over three hours for a pay per view. But again, credit to AEW, the quality of the wrestling on, on offer for, for most of the evening was really, really good. Definitely. So just to quickly kind of, I won't say breeze past the pre-show, if you will, but that's not the primary focus. So just to give a few notes from that, it opened up with the best friends, Orange Cassidy and uh, Rocky Romero, and their very evil, very mysterious tag team partner who came in later in the match. I dark Danhausen, as I'm going to phrase it for now, because we basically got... <laughs> Because now, now this is the thing, I wasn't aware of this because I've only recently become aware of Dan Housen like in the past few years, like just from all the fun stuff he does. But seemingly kind of the the, the deeper lore of Dan Housen is that he was a far darker character originally. So we've kind of got to that breaking point now with the character because of what the factory were doing in the run up to this being announced on Rampage. Okay. So this was just a fun, you know, we're getting going match. 10 people in there little bit of fun wrestling in there, some great moments in there. Ultimately, it came down to Danhausen actually doing some wrestling, being really good and competent about it, and 
getting the win. I can't actually remember off the top of my head how he got the win, but he did. But ultimately, they got the win, and that was what was key with that. So look out for more Dark Danhausen, most likely in the coming weeks and months on AEW. Maybe he will start wrestling, because that'd be nice. Darkhausen. There we go. I've made up there you name. go. Thank you. You worked, around, you worked around my incredibly awkward naming convention and came up with a better one. This is why we are a good duo, good sir. Good, good, good. Te- um, teamwork. Just, just, just a side, side bit, because later on in the show, I think during the actual pay-per-view, there's a backstage between, uh, I think it's Orange Cassidy and Jay Caker. And then one, of the best, the mo- one of the best things I've seen all week. I mean, it's like the, mo- the most relaxed sort of promo and promo serve for Matt, just like, I've got this belt. You want it? Yeah. Wednesday? Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> well, I think I'm the other thing was, like, Jake Hager's got this whole thing about liking the purple hat that was originally given to Danny Garcia. And mm. I think the actual line that Orange Cat, the, the, the exchange was like, what's in the bag? Jake Hager saying that's Danhausen. He takes takes the bag, pulls out the title belt and goes, this, do you like it? And Jake Hager goes, about as much as I like my hat. <laughs> and then Cassie just goes oh, do you want to fight for it sure and then, and then the segment ends with him going cool nice hat by the way <laughs> just, it's sometimes less is more that's what I'm trying to say here there, there we go they just both complimented each other on their tyres and stuff like that and then they went to war for a belt that's how we book wrestling in 2022 perfect speaking of going to war Ricky Starks defeated Brian Cage in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Now, the tournament had to be shuffled around a little bit, just do a little bit of a catch-up here, because Ricky Starks was legitimately injured the week prior, which is why his matches hadn't happened. The fact that in what I will call traditional AEW fashion with tournaments, they didn't just lop someone else in his place, kind of indicated he's probably getting to the final, because they were determined to have his matches take place. Mm. So... He wrestled Lance Archer on Rampage and got thoroughly beaten up mercilessly, which ultimately resulted in him being choke slammed on the stairs when it was said and done. Then he wrestled Brian Cage on this show and managed to get the win. It was a fun match overall, actually. I knew these two were having some good chemistry, and they did. And that is now going to lead to the final happening on Dynamite tonight at the day we are recording this. And then that will determine the first number one contender for the new AEW champion. Mm. The uh, the promo on the road to dynamite for Paige and Stark was really good as well. Really so enjoyed that good. One. I it's like I'm now leaning towards I think Paige might be the one to win tonight mm. at time of recording. And I think simply because even though even though yes, MGM uh, MGM AJM <laughs> That's his clothing oh, brand line. Oh no, <laughs> uh, not AGM. Uh, MJF, that's his name. MGF. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. MJF obviously resorted to some means to win a certain belt, and we'll talk about later on. But the fact is, the the crowd weren't booing; they were cheering more often. So I think with with Paige still being positioned as a heel with the firm, and obviously the firm and and MJF still having an issue with one another, or maybe maybe it might have been a ruse. Who knows? We don't know that yet on, on Dynamite. But if if they are still going with the idea of well, it's it they're still at war with each other, then it makes sense for Paige. Alternatively, if the firm are kind of involved still with MGF, then Starks. Again, either one of these people fighting MGF at Winter is coming. It will be fun. 
indeed. And then the main event of Zero Hour was Eddie Kingston v Jun Akiyama. This was set up following the tag team match between Kingston and Ortiz versus Akiyama and Takeshita, who is now signed to AEW. It was announced during the day of Full Gear as well. So he is now okay. officially signed to both DDT and AEW and is going to be wrestling for both companies. Fantastic signing. Mm. This match between Akiyama and Kingston was built not only as being just like a big back and forth battle, but also on Kingston's respect and admiration for Akiyama. And that played into the match. He ultimately got the win after hitting a couple of back fists on Akiyama. And while the match was such good fun watching, and there was... You want to talk about character development. Eddie Kingston, before the match, Rene Paquette was trying to do an interview with him. And he was backstage and was legitimately choked up and couldn't speak about what he was about the match he was about to have and mm. that just you could tell it was legit like it's hard to sometimes articulate but you could just tell that this is like real lump in the throat territory and then he has the match he wins he's he's bowing to akiyama he gets the appreciation of one of his idols and his heroes that got him into wrestling and then he gets on the mic because there's a few more minutes of tv time remaining and he starts like just talking about his Japanese wrestling heroes, kind of saying he hope he's made them proud because unfortunately some of them have since passed on. And then he just starts previewing the pay-per-view. <laughs> he just starts talking about some of the matches. He's like saying, Excalibur, everyone, sorry, I'm taking up more time. I've got a couple of minutes here. And then he talks, oh yeah, and you can watch my, you can watch my Bud Mox like beat MJF. The crowd starts booing and he just go, hey, like him or hate him, he's still a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And then, ultimately, Eddie Kingston's final line when he eventually got told by Ortiz, right, we've got to go, cut. He just went, right, look, everyone, just buy the damn pay-per-view. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's like, yes, that's the kind of sell job I need here. And then we got the proper preview and such from Excalibur and co. JR came out, and that was how Zero Hour concluded. So the reason I bring this all up is because there was a really good feeling after hmm. zero hour like eddie kingston had that moment you could tell the crowd were so into it and everyone was just like yeah this is going to be a good night let's let's freaking enjoy this let's put this let's, let's set the let's set the ship right like i was saying earlier and that began with jungle jack perry as i'm now going to call him against luchasaurus in the cage match to open the show mm. and holy cow was this a great cage match really good fun Really good fun, and, and and clearly you have you have the good you have the decent ring psychology of Luchasaurus throwing poor Jungle Jack Perry all around the place, even wedging him between the cage and the actual mat at one point on mm. when he went went over the ropes at one point. But no, a really really sort of really good opener. Lots, of, I guess it's more it, it works as a nice sort of character development for 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 Jack Perry as well. Soon because, yes, the last couple of months, Christian betraying him, Luchasaurus is kind of going against him, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it builds up a lot. And yeah, Christian tries to get involved, tries to open the cage for some reason. I mean, he can't really fight. I don't know why he was opening the cage for some reason. Oh, yeah, to get weapons into the match. Sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, this... Plunder. There's, plunder. More tables. Chairs. Chairs. Another table. Chairs. Chairs. All that sort of stuff. But no, no, generally, generally really good... And a generally good opener. Um, yeah. I, hope, I think at the moment, I think with this, you could probably now probably put a pin in the in the Jack Perry-Christian Cage feud. I mean, it will still probably bubble in the background until they actually have a match, Christian and and Jungle Jack Perry. Um, but as a sort of, I mean, the, the Road to Dynamite, again, kind of, 
they caught up with John, with with him after the match, and he's just kind of going, "Well, I've I've been to to Helen back. I've had one of the biggest moments of my career. I'm focusing on other things." So I, again, I think they're just going to quietly just kind of move along from this for now, but it will it will probably come back very very soon once Christian's cleared. Exactly. My my feeling on it is. I think it, apparently Luchasaurus has actually got a shoulder injury because it happened some weeks ah. back. So the, the feeling is probably going to be he'll probably just be out for a while anyway. And if Christian's out as well at that point, why not have it just kind of be a, they're both gone for a while. Mm. And then when the time is right, it'll probably be maybe like when, when Jack's going to try and win a belt, for example. And then that's mm. the moment to strike when Christian costs him it. And it's like, you didn't forget about me, did you? Or something. Like, I haven't forgotten. And then you have the yeah. uh, the ultimate match, as it were, and then he can finally move on from it. But yeah, this match was fantastic. The big crescendo moment being Luchasaurus being put on a table inside the ring, and then Jack Perry doing a giant elbow drop from the top rope. Uh, top rope, yep. from the top of the cage, excuse me. Of which, fun fact, the tight he was wearing, because he apparently acknowledged this after the fact, and some people were confused by the way he phrased it, but his tights were were a homage to Shawn Michaels' ring gear from Hell in a Cell 97 v. The Undertaker. Ah, okay. Because if you look, and it's it's such a random detail, but it's such good fun. Rather than having hearts on his tights, he had leaves. Ah. It was almost like he had the Animal Crossing logo or something, just on his tights, but in the same <laughs> way. Just really, really fun. Next up on the show... Now, you're thinking, okay, we've had a really, like, hot opening match. We're probably going to get something just to kind of, you know, level the playing field a little bit. No. No, we're freaking not. Because no. then we got the trio's title match. Death Triangle against the Elite. We got a whole literal song and dance with the Elite coming out to carry on my wayward son by Kansas. Mm -hmm. you, it was... This was, a, this was a big moment in AEW history. Like, it... I know we were discussing previously, be it on mic or off mic, that it kind of almost felt like, why haven't they been back on TV yet? And when you kind of saw the way they came back, it's like, actually, yeah, this had far more impact. Mm. And there's no real proper way to recap the match in its entirety, barring the ending. But this match was in flipping credible. No pun intended with the amount of flips we saw. But this match was insanely good. I will go so far as to say it's probably going to be one of my match of the years because this was freaking unbelievable. And having this match following the cage match, at that point, my thought was, who the hell is going to follow that? And holy crap, what a show. Mm. It's real. It was absolute full throttle from, from the get-go. And you you expect nothing less with, with, the, with the six involved, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think that, yeah, the, the, big, the big sort of thing about it is the whole was the whole sort of storyline of Pac trying to convince uh Phoenix to uh, to to use the ring hammer. It's like, go on, hit with the hammer. It's like, no, no, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. But as the mash the match just continues to to escalate and escalate with just just incredibly choreographed sequences. And we get to that sort of final moment of Omega about to deliver the one-winged angel to to Phoenix. He finally gives in and he uses the hammer and it's just like the moment the the pen falls recorded you just see him recoil and I was like I oh, know how could I have done this how can I have yep. done this to my to my morals and my standard whereas whereas Pack and and Pentagon are going yay we're champions still well yep. done well yep. done that, that literal spur of the moment decision of oh my god I actually did it but at what cost at what cost the wonderful 
the wonderful play on that, which you, sometimes you have to really overanalyze the show to figure out, is that this same scenario basically happened twice on the pay-per-view because it also came up in the tag title match, except mm. that's the one where the guys stayed on the side of good rather than potentially going to the dark side. Yeah. Which we'll come on yeah. to a little bit later. But yeah, th- um, this match was unbelievable. It also provided some commentary from the crowd as to their feelings on what's happened. Because there yeah. were some very loud FCM Punk chants, and the mm-hmm. Young Bucks were playing it up because it's the Young Bucks in character, as it were. Mm. But I think Kenny Omega has actually come out with a statement today on an interview and basically just said, look, at the end of the day, we all just want to do what we want to do, so kind of need to move on from this. I'll try and find the exact yeah. quote a bit later. Yeah. But- but but that aside though, that was kind of the the one because that was also part of the question going in. How's the crowd going to react? And mm. in many ways, that that was the only acknowledgement of it at all. And yeah. then we got this phenomenal match. Like we said, Phoenix has accidentally gone to the dark side for now. Maybe not tonight on Dynamite. We'll yeah. find out. And then so, this was further. Oh, sorry. Go on. I w- I was going to say just to kind of highlight highlight. I guess how really how the sort of how. Just more more to highlight that I think with the break, yeah, the the suspension, the suspension happened for what happened. But I kind of think it's it's kind of a devil's advocate thing. But it's kind of I think it's probably put in more of a physical sort of sense in the ring, especially for Kenny Omega. I think I think Kenny Omega just looked, looked just limber. He just he looked like he was moving freely and stuff like that. It just I think the extra two months off have done wonders just to try and really kind of get him back into the Kenny Omega that many fans mm. are familiar with. Because again, it's like, it, it felt like he was his his full sort of Omega self or, or yeah. basically performer. It, it, we're basically back at peak Omega. And he, yeah. excluding like the three matches he had around all out time, mm. he's basically had an entire year off because the last match before he returned back in around all out time was full, full gear. gear. Yep. So he's pretty much had a year off and just and a bit later in the show to jump forward they're sort of previewing what else is going to be coming up like on upcoming television shows and they just casually throw in the mention of oh by the way these two teams are having a best of seven series this was match one and you see all the dates on the screen they're just like wait what <laughs> it's, it's just kind of, it's just kind of like yeah you kind of i, I guess the sense with with Phoenix using the the hammer, you knew the storyline was probably going to continue in some way, but mm-hmm. it's just the the nonchalant way of just saying, "Oh yeah, best of seven, and we've just decided the match I had tonight was match one. Was match one, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, it's like it's gonna be interesting to see how they make most of the matches different, or or try. I mean, there, there might be different, like they might play it with different story beats. So maybe, maybe, maybe one week." They they take out Kenny and Kenny can't take part in the match, or maybe Young Bucks get ambushed in a way. It's kind of it's seen how they kind of how they make those matches engaging and and kind of attention grabbing for for those seven matches because seven again a best of seven series it can sound incredible on paper, but it's about the execution of it. Correct, completely Cause agree. Because I, I mean the last time last time was a best of seven. I think that was Sheamus and uh, Cesaro in WWE. Back in 2016, 2017. That sounds about right. There was also, oh God, what would it have been? There was a best of seven series involving Randy Orton and Booker T. 
because Booker okay. T couldn't convene. I think Randy Orton had to take his place. I can't remember against who. Mm. Before that, there was a famous one back in the days of the NWA, which I can't remember off the top of my head who it had involved. There was also one in WCW involving Booker T and Benoit, which was a phenomenal best of seven as well. Best of sevens can work really freaking well. But like mm. you said, it's how do you keep them going and what's the unique dynamic? And quite frankly, the unique dynamic is we're having a trio's best of seven. Yeah. That adds so many different possibilities for what can happen. And also, I think what this is going to do is knowing already, basically, for, for potentially the next, well, for six of like the seven upcoming weeks or whatever, because there's a very good reason why one of those weeks won't have one, which we may get onto. Mm. But either way, for six already prearranged dates, depending how the match results go, there's going to be this match. And that mm. already ups the quality of the wrestling on the show tenfold, not taking away from anyone else. But it's that element that you know those crowds going to those shows, at the very least, the next few know we're getting this match. Holy crap. And it gets you more engaged with it. And then this can only do wonders. I'll be interested to see where they are on the card each week. Like, will yeah. it be the opener tonight? Or, you know, how's it going to go? Yeah, I could, well, I could probably, I think the I think the Eliminator final might be the main event tonight because then it builds up the obviously keeps your world championship in focus so it might be the opener might be the opener mm. um i think yeah for this one it makes sense for it to be the opener or or the mid-show match yeah indeed and it should just randomly point out the reason i say six of the seven upcoming weeks is because on the january 4th date which was notably not noted in the calendar of events that were posted for the best of seven graphic the reason that that match will not be happening on that date is because one Kenneth Omega will be wrestling Will Ospreay at the Tokyo Dome. Holy yeah. crap. That should be good. That should be fun. It's going to be so good. When that was announced, I genuinely nearly started looking up plane tickets. Like, I was just <laughs> so tempted. Well, we can't... Well, I mean, we could try and do a... Well, if you're covering and you're buying, we could probably try and do a live show right at the Tokyo Dome if we wanted to. One of us has got to go in cabin baggage. We've got a problem, but... <laughs> We both need the extra legroom, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Flip it. We'll, we'll, we'll flip a coin off air and figure that out. So uh, after this, now, now who had to follow this match? It was the TBS title match. It was Jade, I'm dressing like Chitara from Thundercats today, Cargill, against mm -hmm. Nyla Rose. This match, I, I actually, this match was very different because Jade mm. Cargill had to be the underdog in the match. So it was something a bit different. It wasn't the greatest match in the world. Jade Cargill being Chitara was amazing and awesome. Yep. Aside from arguably her wardrobe, not, 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 um, what's the word? Not complying with what it should be doing at times. Mm. Read between the lines, folks. But ultimately, Jade Cargill got the win. And there was a moment where Nyla Rose actually hit the jaded on Cargill. That there was some good back and forth in this. Again, wasn't brilliant, but having to follow those two matches whoever was going to follow was going to have a difficult time as it was. Yeah. But ultimately, the key detail is Jade Cargill won and now finally has her belt back. So maybe we can move on from, from her trying to get her belt back again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't outstay its welcome. Did what it needed to do. And again, as we, we've talked about, the result probably until, until a, a, a proper storyline, I guess, put down for, for the sense of Jade's, rain coming to an end at some point it's very hard not to see jade cargill winning every time and and that's not a bad thing because she's very charismatic and she's getting better in the ring so it's just like it's a good thing but also mm -hmm. 
again, it's about, so like we're saying, it's about keeping the feuds fresh in a way. And I think we've had we've we've had a few couple of contenders or repeat contenders for that title where it hasn't really felt fresh. It's just felt like we're just spinning wheels. Hopefully now we're in a different direction. Hopefully now we're moving somewhere else with this. Indeed. The match that had to follow this was the four-way ROH title match. As Cla- Claudio Castagnoli, Brian Danielson, and Sammy Guevara challenged Chris Jericho for the title. Ultimately, Jericho retained. But my word, was this a great match as well. This was so damn good. General gist of the story was the two BCC Blackpool Combat Club members were there to try and get the title, but they still want to fight each other because, you know, competition. Yeah. So they still beat the piss out of each other at various points. Mm. Sammy was... Arguably, Jericho thought Sammy was there to help him retain. Sammy had mixed feelings on that. That was exacerbated. When Jericho tried to do a lion's salt, I think it was on Claudio, but also hit Sammy as well, Mm. if memory serves. And then that caused Sammy to then break up the pinfall, as it were, or or definitely look annoyed about the whole thing. There's a little bit of a shoving match happening between him and Jericho at that point. Mm. And then that being compacted more when... I want to say Jericho had a, just an outright pinfall after hitting a big move and Sammy just broke up the pin. And then we started getting the JAS fight, as it were, which led to Sammy eventually hitting the go to hell on Jericho, which had everyone thinking, oh my God, they're going to give the belt to Sammy. Mm. And at that point, you had no idea who was going to win this. It was so damn good. The big key moment was Claudio putting the giant swing on Sammy. He's starting to spin around and then Jericho in essence has to try and do a leaping Judas effect onto Claudio. He got Claudio and also landed a heck of a lot on Sammy at the same Mm. time. And then he got up, did another Judas effect on Claudio, got the pin and retained the title. And then later in the evening, a sort of a follow-up promo relating to this, setting up a title match on Dynamite tonight. It had Jericho basically go, I had a feeling Sammy was going to be like that, but you know what? I want competition like that. I'm glad he really wanted to win the belt. So thank you, Sammy, in essence, is what he said. So that's kind of put a ribbon on that. But this match was fantastic. Mm. Really good. Again, a fast-paced one. Lots of near falls. Lots of near falls. I think 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 there's a moment I generally thought uh, Danielson was going to win it when he just suddenly just did running knees, I think, on Sammy after getting rid of Jericho out the ring for a little bit. Um, but the fact is, there were, were, were all moments where everyone could have legitimately won. And I think I think as the match went longer and longer, I had that sort of sense that Jericho was attaining. But the question is basically, when is he going to do that Judas effect and, and so forth? But no, um, no, the the, Sam, the Sammy Jericho kind of... But tensions boiling over in the ring was quite fun to watch as well. It just It just added more unpredictability to it. Then we had the return to the ring of Soraya as she actually beat Britt Baker uh, in this match. I've kind of gone back and forth on my feelings on this match because mm. there's an element of, from a res- from the result point of view specifically, I still think Britt should have won this match. I think it should have been a case where Soraya's been completely out the ring for five years if Britt Baker is effectively the top dog in AEW when it comes to the women's division, regardless of who's got ultimately got the belt and whatnot, I don't see a reason why Soraya should be able to beat Britt Baker first time. There was an mm. element where I thought you could have done a story where Britt 
gets the win, and then Soraya's got to kind of build her way back up to being a more formidable challenger to Britt Baker long-term. Ultimately, Soraya got the win. Soraya, sorry, it's it's a habit to try and break. In terms of the match, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It wasn't going to be. They kind of played up the neck, potential neck issues a few times, but the first time they did it, Soraya just kind of popped up and laughed, and then they immediately did another bigger neck breaker. There were sort of little things like that, which were a bit weird. Zach Zodiac, her brother, was in the crowd, calling her very blatantly Soraya, before someone clearly went, can you call her Soraya, please? Oh, sorry. Come on, Soraya! <laughs> and just changed it. It was very notable because I was where I watched the entire show with headphones. Mm. So, but yeah, this match was fine. That's the way yeah. I'll describe it. It's not give it denigrating it because if it's her first no. match back, full freaking credit to her for doing it. And clearly it was probably a bit of a bundle of nerves and had butterflies and whatnot as well. Mm. Just solid was fine. Yeah, I think for a return match... Was it, it was a, it was fun. It was good. Um, again, I think for for wrestling fans, it's just nice to see uh, Soraya. Did I get that right? Or did I ever got it wrong? Correct, Soraya. Yeah, to see Soraya in the in the ring once more. Um, I, this wasn't going to be perfect. I think that I think they played up a little bit of the ring rust as well. And I think the more the more she gets back into the to the swing of things in the ring, things will improve. But Generally, it was it was kind of business usual. I'm 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 on the other side for for, for your booking ideas. I while I while I I can understand and I think I, I can see the see the potential of a storyline there. I think you don't ruin someone's heroic return, not heroic return, someone's like unprecedented return to the ring with a loss per se. It it just it just seems it just seems very I don't know. It just it's like it just seems very mean. This seems very mean spirited, I suppose. Um, I mean, if they have a feud, then I I would lean more towards Baker winning the feud as as her position in AEW. Um, but I think for this, I think for this moment, I think for this just this return after so long, I, I think I think the win was needed. What if a compromise and to try and kind of meld our thinking there? What if it had been Brit had cheated to win? So maybe like she held onto the ropes for a pinfall or something. So then it was almost kind of stolen away from Sor- from Soraya. Possibly, but you have to. I think you would have to make it very. I think you have to do it in a way that the audience will accept that. Um, and that's not. And that's not. And that's not to say. And 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 AEW fans are incredibly smart wrestling watchers. I think. I think they're 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 clearly more of the the storytelling mind they appreciate those aspects so i think if you are going to play that card in terms of cheating to win it has to be done very well uh, but again I, I i still think in this particular match i think that i think the right result happened next up tnt championship match Oof. roh tv champion not defended in this match samoa joe Versus Powerhouse Hobbs and the TNT champion Wardlow. Samoa Joe came out on top and is now a double champion. Not a unified champion, but a double champion. And the way this went down, if memory serves, was Wardlow hit a couple of power bombs on Hobbs, which in and of itself yeah. looked ridiculous, him hitting those power bombs. Yeah. Which then led to Joe hitting. Uh, Wardlow, that's his name. Sorry, I had to look at my screen. I just totally blanked his name. Hit Wardlow with the TNT title belt, then got Hobbs in the Kikina clutch. 
Hobbs did not tap out, but passed out. Joe is the new champion. This was a big hoss fight, as it were. Wardlow yep. somehow nearly did a, a like Jeff Hardy's Willow and the Wisp move and nearly overshot both of them halfway across the <laughs> ring, which was pretty damn impressive <laughs> at one point. But this was this was good fun. It was giant men clobbering each other, which is what I wanted. And in terms of a result, it's like, you know what? Part of me actually wanted Hobbs to win the belt, but I'm totally fine with this. And it actually, mm. in many ways, makes it a bit easier not having the ROH TV title and TNT title being sort of two separate entities you've got to acknowledge. You could just have it be under one person now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just kind of like the way Joe just kind of waddled in and just stole the belt. It's just like, okay, mm. choke. Oh no, he's out. I win. Bye. E- evil <laughs> Joe is great. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. I've won the belt. I've done, I've, it's like, it's in the rules. I could use the belt <laughs> because it's like there's that bit where both Wardlow and Hobbs are just sat in the rain, just kind of, what just happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like all of it. It's just all of a sudden. It's like you think something's about to end, and it's like, nope, ended. Bye. <laughs> like I say, e- e- Evil Samoa Joe is great. His promo on Dynamite last week, I think it was, was so good. Like, go out of your way to see it if you haven't already. Mm. Next up, this isn't. This is the part of the show when I was watching it live, where my body started going right. You got to fuel up now. I need some fuel, or you got to stand up. But this is where we got Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett against Darby Allen and Sting in what during the day was changed to be a no disqualification, no countout match, which I'm pretty sure at this point is every single Sting match that we see. Just saying. Mm. This was this was chaotic. That's the word I'll use for this. Uh, some of the bigger moments of the match being Darby Allen on the entrance ramp, climbing up a ladder, trying to do a coffin drop, <laughs> and Satnam Singh just catches him like he's a pillow. It's the ultimate trustful. <laughs> it really is, isn't <laughs> it? Like, catch me. It's like, I'm going to do a coffin drop on you, but catch me. All right, here we go. What are you going to do? I'm going to fry you across the stage. <laughs> And then Satnam Singh also had to catch Sting, but I think Sting came at him with such momentum that he lost balance a little bit. Yeah, I thought I thought for a second Sting went face first into the ground, but he, he didn't. His, his hands hit the ground first and kind of cushioned the fall, but it's like, I think because it just went behind an audience member, it's like, oh, this doesn't look good at all. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this match was just basic. This match was just, I think this was just a very, uh, a silly yet noisy distraction. Mm. And that's not a bad thing. It's just like there, there was nothing. This, in terms of stories on the, on on the matches across this card, this just had the had the most kind of forgettable story. It's just oh, well, Jeff Jarrett's here and he's he's angry at Darby and Sting. All right, off to war. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that this feud must continue. Oh no. Well, I mean, I, I, there's, there's just part of me that just thinks that can't just be it, can it? I mean, they they missed a perfectly good sponsorship opportunity with God of War Ragnarok because if if Sting and Darby are like the proverbial wrestling father of son, it's like what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing, Papa Sting? We're going down to we're going down to we're going to to war and wrestling. Okay, father. I think for most of the match, I was just kind of joking on and saying, "Do this, son." Okay, dad. Coffin drop. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of um, fun moments from the match. There was one moment where Darby Allen went for a... So, wait, back up. My prediction going into this show was that I fully expect that Jeff Jarrett will waffle Sting over the head with a guitar and Sting will do his stinger-up type thing 
like his equivalent of the whole cup, and then run wild, just no selling the guitar shot. We got a guitar shot. Sorry? (laughs) You were partially right in that that sense. We got a guitar shot, just not what I was expecting in the form that Darby Allen did a coffin drop and Jeff Jarrett clobbered him in the back (laughs) as he was coming out in (laughs) midair. Mental. Uh, other moment, the, the way it all came down, if memory serves, is Jay Lethal went for his sort of lethal injection cutter, where he does like the sort of the backflip into the ropes and came back. Yeah, and then Sting just about caught him, as it were, to do a death drop, and then picked him up. And then Darby Allen d- hit the coffin drop on Lethal while Sting was holding him in position, effectively for a double team combo, and then got the win. And everyone went home. Well, no, we didn't. We still had hours to go yet. Yeah, but. yeah, but, but those wrestlers went home. That's what I meant. There you go. But this was just this was good fun. Everyone's into it, and it is still just impressive to see Sting just still doing this and just mm. doing all the mental stuff. It was even funnier on commentary. I think when someone, <laughs> I think someone on commentary just said, "Like he didn't do this stuff when he was wrestling full time. What the heck's he doing?" <laughs> and Darby Allen's a bad influence on him. <laughs> Next up, AEW Interim Women's World Title, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Going in, this had to be the time to pull the trigger on Jamie Hayter. It just had to be. Like, everyone, a large portion of the crowd, I'll say, was very much behind her. The stars were kind of aligning, Mm. but it was still that thing of, well, what happens when it comes to like Thunder Rosa, whenever she's back, like how does that impact this at all? Ultimately now that just doesn't matter in in the in the current term, I'm going to say. Not short term or long term, just current term. Yeah. That doesn't matter. The interim women's world title just is the women's world title for now. Like that's just the yeah. easy way to sum it up. The way it ultimately went down was it was just Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm having a great back and forth contest. Mm-hmm. It then got to a point where Rebel came down and just got clobbered by Tony Storm with memory serves. And then, then promptly Br- ejected <laughs> yep, there by you the go. ref. And then Britt Baker came down and started kind of making her presence known a little bit. The big moment being that Britt Baker starts taking off the turnbuckle pad, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. And then someone nearly got whipped into it. Ultimately, it was Tony Storm that went face first into it, allowing Jamie Hayter to hip her equivalent of like the Rainmaker Lariat, kind of the ripcord clothesline type thing. Mm. And then it was the one, two, and three. And Jamie Hayter wins after it looked like even just a few minutes earlier, she wasn't going to win it because as soon as there was the double interference, you could feel that collective feeling in the crowd of, oh, she's not going to win. And then when she kicked mm. out of Storm's pile driver, everyone went mental. Mm. This was so. This was such a good match, even with the interference. Mm. Like, it was so damn good. And Jamie Hayter is now... Oh, my screen just fell behind me. Ignore that. There's, there's death it's racing right. happening. It's fine. There you go. If you're watching the video version, there's a little Easter egg for you. <laughs> but either way, Jamie Hayter wins the belt. She is, a, she is the top dog now in the AW Women's Division. Thoroughly deserved and such a damn good match. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the best AW women's matches I've seen in some time in in the promotion, to be honest. Um, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you're right. When the interference is going, you kind of go, oh no, this isn't gonna happen, is it? But yeah, I think I think this is kind of like a good I think this and and the main event result, I think is kind of like a, a good. A good sign that AEW are, are kind of listening to their fans in a way as well. So they're not kind of 
trying to to go down a proverbial route because I think sometimes where you should be pulling the trigger on stuff. I mean, for example, you look at Eddie Kingston. There was there was a point earlier in the year, last year, where Eddie Kingston is like one of the most over people in the company, and yet he doesn't win like the TNT Championship from Miro. He doesn't doesn't get a ch- he doesn't he doesn't get a bigger spotlight. Obviously, there have been certain things backstage that have happened. Obviously, the the issues with Sammy Guevara, but but no, it's just like it's it's a good indication that AEW are are willing to pull the trigger when needs be to just to to keep that fan satisfaction because I think that's that's key. And again, like I said earlier about AEW fans being a lot more kind of on the ball about obviously the storytelling aspects and kind of the vibe of of their roster and and the atmosphere. It kind of felt. I think if you didn't do it here, you lose the. You, I think, Hater would have lost some momentum a bit. Agreed. Yeah. Next up was the tag team title match, kind of playing off what I was saying earlier. We'll get to that specific point in a few moments. Now, mm-hmm. going into this match, Matt, uh, Max Caster, sorry, Anthony Bowens and Swerve had a match on Dynamite, which was a really fun match, actually, definitely worth checking out. And stemming from that match. Bowens apparently has a shoulder injury. I say apparently because it's kind of one of those details where it's probably legit, but no one really knows to what extent it, it it's it's a severity is the word I'm thinking of. Mm. So talk of the town, as it were, is that backstage and whatnot, he was seen just wearing a sling like all day. And it wasn't until the match itself when he then came out and did what he could do, as it were. And he actually ended up playing up on it during the match and part of the storyline going into this from Swerve's point of view was telling Bowens you're the weak link in the team you're you're the one that keeps getting injured so there's a f- dynamic there the big crux of this daddy ass was not down there he came down and ultimately got ejected because mm. that's what he does now because he's too popular <laughs> and the big moment was following what Swerve did a few weeks ago to daddy ass in that he used a pair of pliers to crush the fingers, if you will, of Daddy Ass. He then gave Keith Lee the pliers. Keith Lee didn't want to use them the first time around. And then it got to the big moment in the match where Swerve was in the ring, gave him the pliers. Keith Lee just went, no, threw him down. And Swerve just clocked him in the face. At which point, Keith Lee, <laughs> made, at which point Keith Lee did the equivalent of piss off and walked away. <laughs> didn't first say anything. Ever- just looked at him and just went, nope, done, and walked away. It was it was basically you 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 just you just upset a German scholar that is Keith Lee and his magnificent vocabulary or vocabulary. Sorry, I murdered that first time around. <laughs> it just it just it's just a slow step of goes, I'm gonna walk away now. I'm gonna leave yeah, you literally. to deal with this. <laughs> I'm gonna walk away and we'll deal with this later. <laughs> it's one of those things of if I do something now, I'll regret it. So Mm. all I'm going to do is walk away. And this is the element I was saying earlier, where it was the second dynamic of this kind on the show, whereby Dark Phoenix, as I'm now going to call him, because I want him to come out like all like, (laughs) you know, X-Men inspired and whatnot. But Dark, do we now have Dark Phoenix, but we don't have what? Rewind, Dark Phoenix. I mean, as in the X-Men side character Jean Grey turned into. (laughs) Okay, yeah, look. As I was saying that, I really, okay, look, okay, if we're getting into comic <laughs> law now, fine. I will one-up you on this. So, okay. the Phoenix has possessed other characters. During the Avengers okay. and X-Men storyline, there was a point where Namor 
Emma Frost, Cyclops, and someone else I'm forgetting off the top of my head were also possessed by the Phoenix Force. Mm. Okay. So it That's is fine. Not, it, the Phoenix has possessed other people. I do agree that at first at first hearing that, I didn't elaborate <laughs> properly. But in essence, Dark Phoenix. There you go. Okay. Okay. But yeah, but but we do not have the dark incarnation of Keith Lee in terms of personality and whatnot, yeah. which weird as it sounds, I would have been fine if we'd have ended up getting the proper full-blown, like dark, cocky heels of Swerve and Keith Lee. Because I can imagine as a tag team, that'd be good fun. That said, mm. the idea we're also now going to get Keith Lee versus Swerve in just like a singles rivalry, I'm more mm. than up for that. Yeah, the, the road the road to Dynamite catch up after the match is 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 really, really good. It's like you got Swerve literally kind of having kind of like a meltdown or maniacal meltdown while Keith Lee is is articulating his thoughts in, in, in the usual Keith Lee manner of just basically you can apologize and we'll move on or if you don't say the right words, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> and then Swerve just goes, see you soon. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Swerve's going the, mad. <laughs> exactly right. But this was yeah. one of those matches where it could have gone either way because mm. there is also the element of if Bowens actually is injured mm. and it is a bad injury, are they going to have to just vacate the titles? Are we going to get interim tag champs? Like, Oh, no. No, no, no I don't want the, interim. No more the, interim. The, this is the Stop thing. <laughs> There's a potential thing that's going to happen now which may make it incredibly awkward, but we will see no doubt following Dynamite tonight where yeah. where things stand on that front. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and that's when we, we then found out about the Best of Seven series, as it were, and everyone was just going, wait, what? <laughs> just casually throw it out there and just go, oh, yeah, no big deal. It's, it's a Best of Seven. Best of Seven. Exactly. Fine, and that fine. led us to the main event of the show. John Moxley in his new red tights, which you knew something was up because it's like, why have you changed your tights? Something's going to happen. What are you doing? That, oh, don't do this. Versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman. The dynamic of this was very interesting. And Eddie Kingston, whether intentional or not, actually helped set the scene for how the crowd was going to react. Because mm. as I mentioned during his promo, he just kind of said, oh, Mo my friend Mox is going to beat up, is going to beat, MJF and retain the belt, and a large portion of the crowd booed. Mm. So it kind of already gave you that flavor of, yeah, every, a large portion are going to cheer MJF. So, of course, John Moxley sees an opportunity and he thinks, oh, I get to be a dick in this match, do I? Amazing. So we got full blown heel John Moxley just flipping off the crowd, flipping off anyone. Just being being far more callous than usual, I would say. I think he was also doing some sarcastic Japanese bowing at times after he'd done like a, a big move. And oh, look at that! Yes, I'm bowing. Everyone appreciate the move I've done. I think I think his I think it's sort of like his sort of realization he could be a bit of a dick starter. I think when he was on the way to the ring, and I think a fan very stupidly put an MJF scarf in his face. Yeah, you just, you just see the look of really, <laughs> but I think it. I think it, it, it helps the atmosphere. That I think the, the crowd were incredibly pro MJF. <laughs> Even the fact that MJF cheated to win, and they were still pro MJF. And it's like even yeah. I was pro MJF when he cheated. <laughs> so so let's fast forward to the end then. So we have all of this stuff happen. MJF is trying to do some moves and whatnot, but ultimately Moxie has got the upper hand. And we get to the point 
where MJF reaches into his tights and out appears the dynamite diamond ring. Cue William Regal to come back down the aisle and we see him coming down and we can hear on TV him literally going, don't you dare use that ring. Don't you dare earn it. Basically like, man, don't you dare be annoyed at you. It's like, son, this is what you don't do. (laughs) Reinforcing the storyline that was established of MJF said he's going to earn it and that he wouldn't use the dynamite diamond ring to get the result. Now, at this point as well, the referee had been knocked down, which is partly the reason why MGF chose this opportunity to try and get the ring. And at that moment, when MJF is just like down and out as well, because I think Mox may have hit him with a move or something at that point, but Mox started to come around and Regal went, get to the ref, get to the ref. And Mox turns around and then Regal reaches into his pocket and slides towards MJF's hand a pair of brass knuckles. And you could tell that the way they shot this was perfect. The timing was perfect. You can damn well bet that the big screens in that arena were showing it clear as day what was going on. Because Mm. the moment Regal's hand went over and MJF's hand grabbed those brass knucks, everyone cheered and knew exactly what was about to happen. Mm. He clocks Moxley in the face. One, two, three your new AEW world champion, MJF. Yay. <laughs> the, 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 the execution of all this was fantastic and flawless. Yeah, magnificent. Magnificent on this one. Um, yeah, generally a really good main event. Again, really good storytelling as well. And the fact I think I've been on, I think on the shows I've kind of said I, didn't, I wouldn't mind if MJF lost the one if we were doing the baby face thing. But the fact is, He's kind of confirmed he's a heel again because he, he went into he went into the all out not the all out press room he went into the full gear press room. I don't know if you've seen it where he's yeah. just verbally eviscerating everyone, just effing <laughs> just and go, blinding and everything. It's like yeah, we believe in MDF. Oh, shut up! <laughs> it's like I'm the three most important letters in wrestling in the world today. Not MOX, not AEW, but MJF. That's the that's the sort of thing you kind of want those press conferences to be. It's kind of like an extension of the show, of a bit of yeah, you can do some real real questions, but then just have your performers come out and um, and really ham it up. Of course, I mean because they're doing they're going to do uh, a press conference after Survive Series this weekend. Some fans have already gone oh, but they're copying AEW. It's like well, they did it for Clash of the Castle, and it's it's like any sports. Any sports event has a press conference afterwards. It's not like it's exclusively to AEW. Just come on. So we're, so we're going to get another speech from Roman Reigns where he only takes one question. <laughs> and then storms off. But again, that's what, that's what I kind of think this, it would all be about. It's just basically, yeah, again, you're furthering the storylines a bit. So whatever happens at Survivor Series, maybe the bloodline loses and the bloodline turn up and they have a bickering argument and then they all awkwardly go their separate ways or something like that for a little bit before the next episode of, of SmackDown. But going back to AEW, it's just that's that's what I would imagine I'd like press conferences to be. Yeah, have have your sort of general questions, but when talent comes in, it's talent using the opportunity to sell themselves, sell the sell the, the company and sell what they've achieved and, and the upcoming shows or just trying to keep people engaged with the product after this event. Because I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next Dynamite now. I think there'll be lots of fun to be had. 
there's a lot scheduled for Dynamite. I'll try and pull up the lineup in a second, actually, because there is a there is a lot that's been announced for Dynamite this week. Mm. But but yeah, we said that I asked the question at the top of the show, and you did answer it, but to reiterate it, this needed to be a home run for AEW, was it? Yes. yes, it was. Let's quickly sort of elaborate where we're at. The Elite are back. We've got a best of seven series with them and Death Triangle happening. Yep. The Jungle Boy Christian feud effectively has a pin in it for now, properly for once. As he seemingly. becomes Jungle Man. Exactly. Or, you know, wait until Dynamite tonight when it carries on. I'm totally yeah. wrong. We've got a new women's champion in Jamie Hayter. Mm-hmm. Uh, to put it bluntly, a brand new talent as a top champion, because that is what it is. Mm-hmm. We've got MJF, also effectively a brand new talent in essence, being the top champion. Mm. We've got a lot of great stuff. I mean, Joe's the freaking TNT champion now. Like there was a lot of new things that happen, which feels yeah. complete, which makes it feel completely fresh and doesn't feel rehashed. And that is a genuine curiosity as to where are things going to go now. And that is a powerful, powerful thing to have going into your next television show. It's kind of like a nice, it's it's not the the awe, the awe-inspiring thrill of, say, All Out last year in, in, mm. with with Cole and, and Danielson debuting. It's more like, it, it's it's along those lines, but it's now like, oh, you're excited to see what's going to happen next. It's like the storylines, it's like the storylines have changed or basically the alignments have now changed. We're going off in different directions with new champions. That's a cool thing because I think for most of the summer, obviously Max Nation's not helped. Things feel a bit kind of repetitive and, and kind of stale to a degree again has not helped. So they've come out of a very, very difficult summer and and winter is looking very good. And as you could say, winter is coming. It is. And in terms of Dynamite tonight, just to quickly recap, because I've got the lineup here from AEW's Twitter, match two with the Death Triangle v. the Elite Best of Seven, World Title Eliminator Tournament Final, Ethan Page, Ricky Starks, ROH World Title Match, Jericho versus New Japan Pro Wrestling's Tomohiro Ishii, because he is a former ROH World Champion. That's how he qualifies for that. We will hear from William Regal and All-Atlantic Championship Match, Orange Cassidy versus Jake Hager. And also, which I have no idea what this is stemming from, but apparently, quote-unquote, we will show the incident between Jade Cargill and rap star Bow Wow from his concert in Miami. I have no knowledge as to what that is. This is the first I've heard of it. Oh, so they've, 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 had a, they've had a Twitter. They've had a Twitter war. So I guess ah. it, I guess I guess it's a bit of Slevin Dawson, but the fact is, Little Bow Wow is is a very well-known wrestling celebrity fan because I think he was doing this. I think he was having a bit of a a, a, a silly beef with Randy Orton earlier in the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a celebrity thing. It'll, either it's going to probably be a one and done thing. Hopefully, this isn't building towards something. I really hope not. I mean, hey, if Bow Wow's going to endorse a wrestler. Maybe yeah. this is how you get Willow Nightingale into the picture. Possibly. There we go. So I think that's going to just about wrap up the AEW talk when it mm-hmm. comes to this particular episode of Bunker Mania. But, but any other additional thoughts regarding All Out that maybe you had notes on or anything that you just wanted to give a shout out to because you thought it was cool or or anything dumb? Like know, the I one think- guy in the crowd during the Soraya match who just started chanting USA for some reason for about 10 seconds and then shut up. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's like, USA, you do realize she's English. Oh, 
no. <laughs> uh, no. Um, in terms of general, in terms of general thoughts, um, like I said, I think it's a really, really good show. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it's kind of got me more in line to watching a bit more AEW now, or trying and try and get a bit more AEW under my my weekly watching of wrestling. Um, but yeah, generally good show. Um, I think out of all the AEW stuff I've seen this year, this is probably one that this is probably the best show. Agreed. So there we go. That is the state of play on AEW. But then there, of course, is the wonder world that is the WWE to discuss. Because this coming weekend, folks, because no, there's no breaks in wrestling weekends now. We have got on Saturday, 26th of November, the WWE Survivor Series tagline War Games premium live event happening. Oh, Do it sorry. properly. Do it properly. War Games! We can't. He works for a different company. Slightly different war games. I mean, Pete, I mean, Pete Dunn Butch kind of did war games this week on SmackDown. So it's kind of... <laughs> Is that the way they got around it? <laughs> it's kind of like, go on, Butch. War games. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. So, now, what we do not, do not know if the entire card has been announced yet because, quite frankly, there's still a few more days until I- SmackDown... I mean, one thing that's definitely not in the car, but I'd be very surprised if it's not by the end of this week, is Bray Wyatt probably murdering LA Knight in the middle of the ring. Um, <laughs> because they had, a, they had a really kind of, they had a really good segment on Friday and on this last episode of SmackDown. And essentially, the week before the, this in-ring bit, uh, Bray, Bray had bumped into LA Knight and LA Knight was being his douchey bag self. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Bray had butted him. And then Bray came out. Bray came out the next week and said that was wrong. I got. I was like, I I went into dark places again, and I shouldn't do that. And I want to apologize to L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight comes out, and he 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 really he, he kind of accepts the apology by slapping Bray. Um, and then basically Bray goes, okay, we're even. I get that. And he holds out his hand and says, what you do now is going to decide the rest of your life. You can shake my hand. Jesus Christ. Shake my hand. Be <laughs> a good person. Yeah. Shake my hand. Be a good person. And we'll go our separate ways. And what does LA Knight do? Why? He slaps him in the face again. And there's this, there's this perfect image that the camera catches of like Bray kind of just staring into the ground, kind of staring like into like the, the into the abyss. And it's like, oh no. You've 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 done f up, boy. <laughs> to, to point it out. I'm gonna go Super Saiyan. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm gonna go see Uncle Howdy, or talk to Uncle Howdy, or become Uncle Howdy because uh, in the in the brief break between the episode in between the show, Ellie Knight was seen leaving the arena. So like, where are you going? It's like I'm I'm leaving. I've done all my work for today. I'm going. And then the moment the show comes back, they find Ellie Knight kind of uh, uh, kind of trampled with chairs, boxes, a pallet. <laughs> and it's like quick get it off him so it's like i have a feeling that's good i have a feeling that survivor series is very likely the first time we're going to see bray re- bray wrestle again for a while because i think this if it gets added it's going to be a complete squash i i don't see it any other way but it's kind of re again it's like it's how they did it with um when he was the fiend with finn it's basically it's a it's a short fight less than five minute match but it's all about kind of reintroducing Bray's wrestling and kind of showing this latest iteration. Because it's like, just when you think it's kind of, okay, where are we actually going? Something different kind of happens. Because it's not like, is Bray alone? Does he have friends? I mean, it's like the whole, it's like, it's still early days for, for, this, for this new white iteration. 
but it's still interesting. I like it. Is it possible it may just be a physical confrontation rather than, than a quote-unquote match? It might be a match. It, de- it, de- it depends how incensed LA Knight's going to be on Friday. <laughs> well, let's get on to what has been announced thus far. So, mm-hmm. triple threat match for the United States Championship. Seth freaking Rollins defending against Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley. Yes. Angry Bobby Lashley. Angry Austin Theory. Because Austin Theory has gone into, like, ultra kind of anger mode after losing um, money in the bank. Basically, I think last, I think about a week or so ago on, no, about two weeks ago on Raw, basically the week after he lost money in the bank's contract, had a match with Dolph Ziggler and he just really snapped and just started kind of putting him through tables and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think they're, they're rebuilding Austin Theory to be a bit more vicious and I think taking the case off him was probably the best thing to do. Um, whether or not either one of them is going to take the belt or self, Seth, I don't think so. I think Seth will carry on keeping that belt for a while. I think and, until there's a clearer picture with the Blooming World Championship, it's... And I think there are there are, there are ideas of what's going to happen in the next couple of pay-per-views for the World Championship and Universal Championship. I'm sorry, sorry, what? The WWE Universal Championship. No, 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 what's a pay-per-view? Sorry. Oh, Premium Life Event. Sorry. There you go. There we go. I'm in the right universe now. Uh, <laughs> you crossed the forbidden door correctly. I, I, I crossed the forbidden dictionary, yeah. Um, <laughs> the forbidden dictionary. <laughs> this book of words, no. That shouldn't I have made me a... laugh as much as it did, but hey, hey. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but no, I think, I think Seth will probably win that one. Next up, I'm going to read this verbatim per what I see in front of me because this is a lot to un- unpack here. Okay. AJ Styles with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson and Mia Yim versus Finn Balor with Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley. It's Styles versus Balor. It's basically it's the ongoing. It's the latest chapter of the club or the or the OC versus Judgment Day. Um, Judgment Day are. are being a bit more of a bigger deal on Raw at the moment. They're 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 a lot more entertaining to watch as a Hill faction. They're really kind of embracing it. Balor is just the 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 essence of this feud is Balor is annoying to that AJ Gallows Anderson are riding the coattails of being part of the original Bullet Club, and it's like no, it's like Balor's going no, I created this. How dare you steal this off me? I'm going to show you why I'm the I'm the o, the OC itself. In that sort of way. Mia Yim rejoined the company a couple of weeks ago as the kind of Rhea Ripley solution problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, she's currently aligned with with the OC. Um, Balor and Styles had a one-on-one match. I think the last major one they had was was the impromptu one at TLC when I think yeah. people were ill. Or, yeah, when Bray, when Bray, AJ Bray had to somehow Ill. get from, like, from Chile all the way back yeah. to the pay-per-view in like under a day or something. Yeah, and then later on they go, and then they reward him with being the WWE champion again for a little bit, um, so yeah, so this will this will be a good match. I don't know how it's going to go. It's I think the storyline's still got a lot of kind of legs to it, really, in terms of the of the gang warfare between the two factions. I think it'll be a good match if they if they're given if they're given a lot of time. And considering that the card is fairly short at the moment, I think they'll get a good little chunk of time. I think they'll get a nice little twenty minutes to go to war, and I think they'll have fun. Speaking of war. Not war games yet. I did the, I did that. That was a bad segue, but there you go. But uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey defending against Shotzi. Ronda's retaining. They only started this feud about a week and a half ago. 
It's it, it, it's a fellow feud. It really is. <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got we've got Ronda and Shayna together as a little unit, and basically people are kind of beating Shayna to get an opportunity at Ronda. I I don't I don't see anyone taking that belt off Ronda probably until Mania, and it'll probably be Becky Lynch. Because well, they'll probably finally do that one-on-one that we've all been wanting to see for a while. I guess that now I'll say, speaking of war... War games! <laughs> war games! For, uh, first up, women's war games match. Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Mia Yim, and question mark, as it's currently written on my page, yeah. versus Bailey, Dakota Kai, Io Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. Yes. This will be a fun. I think the nice thing about these two war game matches is they they both have potential to be really good fun, and they do feature people who've been in the structure before. Bianca Belair's been in war games before. Rhea Ripley's mm-hmm. been in war games before. Io Sky's been in uh, war games before. I think Dakota Kai was in the match, but I don't think she went in the structure because that was when she did an NXT her a famous heel turn on Tegan Knox before. Oh running. yeah. Yeah. It's like she's going in and then just immediately went back and just spent five minutes smashing. She was in a cage, just she not was in the a cage. cage around the ring. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, there's there's I think there's potential in this in this match. I think ultimately maybe I mean either team could technically win, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the way sometimes war games matches have, have ended are basically with people preparing to go for a title. So uh when Raquel Gonzalez be uh, uh, pinned EO, EO Sky in NXT in a War Games match. That was the program of EO Sky was going to end up facing Raquel for the bell. Very similar with when Rio pinned Shayna in War Games and then went on to challenge for the bell. I think the likely result is probably the heels might win this one. And I think the person who's going to, I think Bianca's going to get pinned and I think Rio's going to do it. Because I, th- I think they I think they have they are slowly biding their time with the Rhea Bianca feud. And I think they, they are going to pull the trigger on that very soon. Because mm. I think if they're gonna if they're gonna really structure or position Judgment Day as a as a prominent faction, I mean they're they're getting there, but if you want to really kind of position them, you need to start giving them some titles. So yeah, Rhea, Rhea could probably take the Raw Championship off. Bianca goes through the rumble again or something like that to get to, to Mania get the belt back. Um, and then he, thinking about Judgment Day, Finn could probably take the belt off Seth. He could do. He could do that. I can't. I can't see Judgment Day winning the tag team belts. So that's that's another story. Any idea who Question Mark might be at this point? Uh, report. There have been suggestions. Reports have been hinting maybe it's Becky Lynch because it's uh, at SummerSlam. They had the initial stare down with Damage Control. That makes mm. that makes. Good of course sense. they did. Yeah, after the title match. Yeah. Yeah, for a storyline perspective, it could be Beth Phoenix coming back to get revenge on on Rhea Ripley for the concerto on Mm -hmm. Extreme Rules. Again, if they're bringing someone back into the company and you really want to pay homage to the Easter eggs of NXT, Tegan Knox could be coming back. It's a possibility. It's not off the table. It's an idea. Um, But a lot of people have been kind of looking at the graphing and going, that person's hair is slightly tinted blue. Who has slightly tinted blue hair on the on the on the roster? Who isn't Mia Yim? It could be Sasha Banks. I mean, I, I mean, at this moment in time with with the Sasha and the Omi thing, it's basically I'll believe it when they come back. It's 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 it's, not, it's just like it's gone long enough. It's like I see what you mean. I'm just looking at the graphic now. Yeah. So I'm wondering what you meant. Yeah, yeah. You seen the match graphic? It's 
they're either coming back at some point or they're not. And that and that, that's just the crux of it, unfortunately. But it's like, it'll be nice if it's Sasha. It'll be nice mm. if it's Sasha. To, it'll be nice to see her back in, in WWE. Maybe they'll, they'll, maybe, maybe they're doing like a Hideo Kojima thing where if you just change it to like CPR, then it will show you who it is. Possibly. Um, but um, no, it could be anyone. I think that's the that's the thing. I mean, you, it could be Candice LeRae. There, mm-hmm. there are there are potential opportunities there for any for a good number of people to be involved in the mat- match. Could be a, it could be a return. It could be a call up. Could be anything. But it's interesting. But they are they are preparing to announce said person on this week's SmackDown, which may or may not happen. I'm not sure. This is kind of like if you're kind of wanting to make it a big surprise, you kind of wait till the premium live event. Because I think you yeah. might get a nice pop out of it. Because it's probably going to open. The, it's going to probably open the show. As yeah, well. and so, to, to give context for the audio listeners, the actual graphic in question it shows both teams, but the mystery person is effectively wearing like a hoodie with the hood up, and their face is completely just darkened out. But you can see a little bit of the hair hanging down from the side, from mm. inside the hood, and that hood is tinted blue. So that's specifically what we're referring to here. Yeah, but the the graphics have been a mix of red and blue anyway, so it's kind of Okay, it might be just it might just be a, a side mislead, but it, but again, it's like it's like it's like with Extreme Rules where a lot of the graphics had like the Firefly lamp in the background and people going, mm. oh, that's the sign, it's Bray Wyatt, kind of was. So may, maybe maybe they're they're given a foreboding idea of yeah, Sasha is coming back at Survivor Series. It would be a moment. So then the other War Games match, the Men's War Game match. Seamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch, Drew McIntyre, and Kevin Owens against the Bloodline and the Usos. Sorry, mm. that, that, actually, that, that reads incorrectly in here, so I'll read that properly. Against the Bloodline. Okay, that is, that, this is, okay I'm going to read just, it the way just, it's just, phrased here. Just, 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 just I'm say call it the Bloodline. Just, just say the Bloodline. No, at, first, go- at, at first, I thought it was going to say the Bloodline and Sami Zayn, but then it said the Bloodline and the Usos, and I was really confused. That's why right. it threw me off. So you could just you could you could just say the Usos, Solo Sikoa, Sami Zayn, and the Universal WWE Champion Roman Reigns, the Bloodline. There you go. That's an easy way to All say. Right. No, the Bloodline, because people know what the Bloodline is. Just say yeah, the exactly. Bloodline. Anyway, so all of them versus the Bloodline. It's gonna, it's gonna be a good match. I, I'm, I, I know we talked about this a little while ago, and we did kind of like our prediction before the end of the year type show. Mm-hmm. I think this is gonna be the time where Sami Zayn is gonna do a big fumble, as it were. I, I think, or Jey Uso, one or the other. Some, yeah. I, I kind of, well, Reigns isn't gonna get pinned. I think you don't think. No, I don't think I. It would be a massive thing to pin Reigns in a match and not have something substantial come out of it. Like so are you predicting win. a bloodline win then with that in mind? I'm not, I don't think the bloodline win. I think, I think Brawling Brutes team will win. And I think it's good. It will probably start setting up to begin with Sheamus versus Reigns, maybe at Royal Rumble, because the crowd really love Sheamus right now. They do. They just love the Brawling Brutes as well, because they just, they just like that sort of fight Sort of thing. I think, it I think it it's one of those things where it just works. Yeah, and and classic the castle, really, really cemented. I think Sheamus as a as a fan favorite again. I think basically, I think that match is just breathed new life into Sheamus. Despite the fact Sheamus has been doing some really stellar work over the last mm-hmm. couple of years in his current run, 
But it's just like this, I think Clash of the Castle against Gunter really cemented that sort of, this 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 version of Seamus is awesome. It helps when you um, have 60,000 people well into what you're doing. <laughs> yes, true, that as well. So I think if if the baby faces are winning, Seamus is getting the pin or it's Kevin Owens getting the pin. So what might probably happen is maybe Roman Reigns might have the match run. Sami Zayn tries to help or something like that. It goes wrong. Reigns gets hit with uh, gets hit with a move. He actually got hit with a stunner by KO on SmackDown last week when he was announced as the last person into the War Games match. So it's kind of like okay, we're still we're still bubbling away at the Kevin Owens Roman Reigns feud because there was the big thing of Kevin Owens saying, "Oh yeah, Roman owes me one for sort of like not getting involved in the Drew McIntyre business for a while." So that that's still playing up. There's there's a lot of interesting ways this this kind of goes, but yeah, I think I think Bloodline lose this one, and they can afford to lose this one. There's no, there's nothing major at stake. It's not like titles are at stake or anything like that. So they can afford to lose it. Yeah, like I say, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I think the catalyst is going to be something between Sami Zayn and Jey Uso. Yeah, I've just got a feeling. It it, it feels like it has it has been building to that from what I've seen. Hmm. Especially the whole Usi promo and whatnot, how that came yeah. to be. Maybe, maybe The Rock might actually turn up, unlike last year. <laughs> I mean, look, he, he's a busy man being. He's a busy man being a superhero. All right. Well, a, he, a superhero he, that's having a moderate box office return at the moment. Hey, look, Black Adam was a good film. I liked it. It's a, it's a good film, but the the. Yeah. I mean, look—the fact it's already on VOD in of itself kind of tells you what you need to know. But, <laughs> but then, it, but that's, but no, that's the that's the changing that's the changing of the the theatrical windows. Um, it's like, for example, I would like to see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, but I know I don't have to rush to the cinema to see it because in about forty-five days it's going to be on Disney Plus because of the theatrical window change. So chances are it might very well be on on Disney Plus at Christmas or New Year's Day. But I would still like to see it at the cinema. That's the, that's the sort of thing I'm trying to, trying to get over the point. But yeah, yeah, the, bo- the box office window changes have... It's weird. It's like when you just go, I just saw it at the cinema last week. Now you can rent it for 10 quid. Oh, and I spent 15 I mean, th- 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 that's probably a debate for another time unless we do a post-show type thing at some point and maybe we'll get yeah. more into that. But maybe, uh, maybe, they'll, maybe there'll be a Pizza Hut. There'll be the Pizza Hut um, <laughs> rumble again or Battle Royale. Oh my god, no! Let's not do that. <laughs> let's, the the, the, the oh, way our wrestler has to awkwardly not eat a pizza. <laughs> I mean, I mean, last year's Survivor Series was was just was just terrible. Simply right. you terrible. Know what? You brought this up because I literally do not remember. So let's have a look at the card for last year. Oh, I'm curious. we 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 had so, we, we okay. Had I, I'll tell you what. Let's let's do it this way. Let's play a game. Can you? And by the way, folks. We're going to be wrapping up probably after this, but but Ian, this is your trivia challenge for t- for this week's show. Mm-hmm. Can you recount what occurred at Survivor Series last year? Pre-show Wait. match doesn't count, but if you but if you do name it, I'll still give you a thumbs up for it. We had Reigns versus Big E, champion versus champion. Correct. We have the Pizza Hut Battle Royal, or basically tag team royal. Of some script. Basically, yeah, it was just a battle royale for Pizza Hut. But it was the tag teams. Uh, admittedly, uh, Pete behind the curtain there, folks, Wikipedia doesn't say the word Pizza Hut anywhere, but I'm uh, sure. But, but uh, it, it was all about the pizza. 
They didn't name it the Pizza Hut. It was a battle royale that was sponsored by Pizza Hut. And basically it ended with almost being kind of fl- pizza being flung at Omos. Okay. Street Profits won, I believe. Or almost. No, almost probably won. And then they took the pizza from him. Okay, I'm going to read you what I see here. All right. Omos won by last eliminating Ricochet. Okay. But then the additional note here is not only based on what you're saying was this branded by Pizza Hut. This yeah. was also the Rock 25th anniversary battle royal. Yes, which he didn't turn up for. Uh, <laughs> um, we had we had Team SmackDown versus Team Raw. Team Raw won. Austin Theory, I think, got the pinfall on Jeff Hardy, which was Jeff Hardy's last appearance, I think, on a WWE show before he left. Correct. Uh, Team Raw did win that. Yep, do we? Who was female? Who was women's champion at the time? Must have been. Um, was it Charlotte? Was it Charlotte? I'm thinking Charlotte Flair was SmackDown champion at the time. Doesn't specifically say on the page I'm looking. At. Oh no, yeah, she was. Yeah. Okay, Flair versus. I want to s- Flair versus Lynch. Yes, because it was a real, the real life thing. Yeah, correct. Well, yeah, Flair versus Lynch. Uh, so you got two more matches currently on the main show. Did we have Lashley as United States Champion versus someone? Short um, answer: No. Oh, okay, Bobby Lashley was not was not a champion at this time. Oh, who was who was Inter- Oh, Shinsuke Nakamura was Intercontinental Champion at the time, I think. Correct. Nakamura versus... Bum, 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 bum. Not a... No, he beat Apollo Crews to win the, the Intercontinental Championship, so it was definitely not him. Who would have been United States Champion at the time? Would you like a hint? I'm pondering. Okay. I'll give you 10 seconds. 10. Oh. 9. <laughs> 8. What is Seth? Seven. Six. Five. Was it? No, it can't four, be AJ Styles. Three. Uh, two. One. Give me a clue. Archer. Oh, Damien Priest. Yep. <laughs> and that was when Priest had the weird, am I good, am I bad, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, you, you currently have two more matches on the main card. That was the pre-show match, by the way. You have two more matches on the main oh. card you have not named yet. Well, there was a women's Survivor Series match, which I'm probably going to go with SmackDown winning. No. Team Raw won. Team Raw won. Can't remember who the last person in was. So what was the last match on the show that you've not mentioned? <sighs> We've had tag team. Oh, wait, tag team match. It was a tag team versus Correct. tag teams. So it'll be Usos versus... Who was the Raw Tag Team Championships at the time? It wasn't Street Profits because they were probably involved in the Blooming Royal with Pizza Hut thing. So it wasn't them. So must have been Alpha Academy? Incorrect. Da. RK Bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your reaction tells a lot there. The... The but show yeah, was that, shit. That, that was last year's Survivor Series. <laughs> the so- show was shit, Jeremy. That's why I can't remember much of it. <laughs> <laughs> By comparison, this year's show is going to be pretty, pretty damn good fun. I think it will be. 
I think it will be because there'll be good wrestling. They'll let good wrestling happen without bollocks or golden eggs. Uh, don't hey, worry, look, don't, you, you don't, don't know worry. that for a fact. Don't worry. Next year, The Rock will be there to promote his Amazon Christmas film, which he's filming at the moment. Where he's like oh. the bodyguard to Santa Claus. And it stars Chris Evans with him as well. Chris who? Evans. Okay, I thought you said Chris Evans worth. It's like, who the heck is, who the heck is Chris Evans? No, Chris no, no. But no, he's, he's, currently, he's currently filming a Christmas film, like actually Christmas film, fun for the entire family as well. And he's, yeah. Fun for the entire family via Amazon Prime. Yes, yes. Not a, spo- not a sponsor. It, 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 will be, it will be the most watched Amazon Prime. Uh, it will be the most watched Amazon Prime um, opening of the year of some descript. I don't know. It's the usual spiel they roll out when a rock film comes out. I like the rock. It's just some, it's, again, it's like we talked about it when we did the, the, the sidetrack Barack Adam chat last time. I like the rock. As an actor, and I it's like I will still watch the Rocky movies. It's just it's the same. I mean, I mean, yeah, people watch it. It's like Vin Diesel turns up and just says something about family and people watch it. But then again, you go and see Fast and Furious just for the sheer stupidity of it all. And the fact that John Cena's now his brother. I mean, look, think of it this way. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. No. If it makes no. at least a few million dollars a pop, you know. But on that note, ladies Uh, and gentlemen, we are going to bring this edition of Bunker Mania to a close. Good sir, any final thoughts or things you would like to convey about the world of wrestling to our fine audience? Not at the moment. But do subscribe. It'll be lovely if you did. Like (laughs) and subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Tell another family member. Tell all your family members. They might not like wrestling, but tell all your family members, even <laughs> your pets. I mean, the pet, pets might not. I mean, pets do have YouTube channels and stuff like that, but maybe the pets might want to watch some wrestling chat as well. Maybe it's something they just find comforting. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it'd be lovely. If you hit the like, like and subscribe button. It'd be awesome people if you do. I was waiting to see how you were going to get out of that. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> it is right, Ian. You want, do you want the, the shovel or the digger? I think I'll take the jackhammer, please. <laughs> the tool, not the Goldberg move. Because I probably wouldn't be lifted halfway up at this moment in time. No, well, either way. Whichever way it works. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, nothing particularly else extra for me. I've watched a lot of Japanese wrestling, but I may save that for a different time and or place. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than I will say that uh, New Japan's crossover event with Stardom, the women's wrestling promotion, because they were both under the same parent company, was a fun show. I watched the entire thing. The stardom matches were freaking good fun. The main event was so damn good. That said, the second half of the show didn't half feel like just a New Japan show with a women's match as the main event. But the Will Ospreay show to Umino match that led to the announcement of Kenny Omega v. Will Ospreay, also really, really good fun. Also, just to touch on that, I want more Kenny Omega promos in Japanese, even in the AW. I it's think great, it's cool. isn't it? It's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just, I watched the promo and just went, damn, he's so cool doing the Japanese language with it as well. Damn, he's cool. It's quite good fun, actually, because when Kenny Omega was full-time New Japan and was like Bullet Club the Cleaner Kenny Omega type thing, mm. because he was technically a heel, he would only talk in English. So you know he's going to be a face because he's talking Japanese. It's just mm. it's it's little things like that that work so well. 
I do, I do love, I do love the the, the basic gist of it. Basically, it's like, well, I I left to I left to to build AEW, and 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 Will Ospreay thought he was going. Will Ospreay was going to be the person to lead New Japan into a new era. What happened, Will? What went wrong, Will? Oh no, Will! I'm going to have to come and beat you up at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> I think Osprey's initial response was, "I stayed here to keep like to keep it going. You you ditched it, type thing." Did so that's kind you? of the angle we're going down there. It's going to be a great match, though. It's going to be, be a really be good mental. Have you have you seen have you seen the slow motion clip of Omega delivering a V trigger knee into the back of Osprey's head from a <laughs> from a new? It's on Twitter. It's just. I think Kenny, I think Kenny tweeted it today. And this is basically, he's just launched himself in the corner. It slows right down and then goes full pelt. It's like, it's, it's like, I don't know if it's lag or I don't know if it's a slow-mo camera, but it's looking pretty cool. It's going to be an insane match. Suffice to say, I will be watching Wrestle Kingdom. I will be. I probably won't be there in person, much as I would love to be. It's a lovely morning start for everyone. We can have breakfast and watch Wrestle Kingdom. It'll be hey, lovely. It- here in the UK, it's great. If you're in the US, it's through the flipping night. And my reaction to it is, now you know how we feel for virtually every single show on Earth. Yes. With that being said, thank you very much for, li- for listening to Bunker Mania. Yeah, that is right. Thank That's you it. very much That's right. for listening. <laughs> oh, my brain. We're live, pal. We're live. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to Bunker Mania, everybody. From myself, the giraffe, and me, Jeremy Grace. From him, the decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. Thank you very much. And until next time, which all going well, should be a week Friday because we'll be discussing Survivor Series. So it'll be the first Friday after Survivor Series. So check back then on that evening, I should say. And then we'll be discussing that show. And who knows what else? Because we will have had the first Dynamite post All Out. All Out? Full gear. Oh, I, I don't know. My brain's They gone. all blend into one, Jeremy. They all blend into one. I mean, but before- look, honestly, at some point, they really do. I'm just saying. <laughs> but before we do finally sign off, don't forget, you can throw us an email and just throw it with a pair of brass knuckles in your in your hand straight into Bunker Mania at bunkerzilla.co.uk. It'll be lovely to hear your thoughts on Full Gear, Survivor Series, and the world in wrestling as a whole. It'd be lovely to chat to you lovely people. But yes, that is that is the important wrestling reference to email inboxes done. Jeremy, take us home. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, after Survivor Series and after the first Dynamite following Full Gear. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.